Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right. What's Ashley up to this week? Hello. Sorry, Ashley. I have to go grab a new pair of headphones because mine aren't working. Okay. I'm back. And there's Rodrigo. <laughs> Ever notice that you never see Rodrigo and Ashley in the <laughs> Skype call at the same time? <laughs> That's ridiculous. Hang on a second. Uh I need to I need to my water glass was dirty. I need to get a different one. Okay. Is everybody ready for the holidays? Not really. Got I'm back. Your... There's Ashley. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Ashley. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Stephen, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, more of the best of the rest of the year that kept on punching, plus holiday rebirth conspiracies of cloning, and a familiar writer wants to show you his giant-sized man-thing. And no, I will never tire of that joke. Plus, you, the faithful spoilerites, can weigh in on the undead and more stuff. So open your baskets. Your mandatory ingredients include nerdery, geekification, durian, and Rodrigo. So don't get chopped, because the Major Spoilers podcast is on. Welcome to issue 707 of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Holy cow, everybody. 707 episodes of the Major Spoilers Podcast. We couldn't have done it without you, our fantastic spoilerites from around the world. And we have quite a quite an assortment of North America right here on this podcast represented. We got uh, Rodrigo all the way from Mexico, yeah. now, now living in the Pacific Northwest. Mm-hmm. And we've got uh, Ashley Victoria Robinson of Canada, Ooh. currently living on the uh, West Coast in uh, the Los Angeles area. Exact location to be a uh, secret hidden base. <laughs> it's her secret probably, lair. Probably said it. <laughs> and two chunky Midwesterners. And there's Matthew. All right, everybody. Hi. Everyone is here. We are rapidly. Hey, did you just imply that I'm too, too chunky Midwesterners? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you word. did that yourself. Uh, your it is almost face. the end of the year. The holidays are upon us. And this week we'll be uh, taking on the best of 2016 part two. Last week, we looked at the best comics of 2016. This week, we'll look at the best of everything else. But first, let us get to some news. R.L. Stein will be taking on Man-Thing. We've got the Wizards of the Coast eliminating the D&D organized play volunteers. And DC superheroes will team with uh, Hanna-Barbera characters in 2017. Let's spin that Wheel of Destiny. Let us see where we land. Oh, who's ready to look at R.L. Stein's man thing? Yay. 
<laughs> wow, you're the only person, Rodrigo, that I will say that is interested, that has shown any kind of yay out mm-hmm. of the news that R.L. Stein, you know, the Goosebumps writer guy, you know, I, be honest, I don't think I've ever read any R.L. Stein stuff because I was aged out by the time Goosebumps became a thing. And uh, I did see that Goosebumps movie and my son who has read uh, Goosebumps was just kind of like, eh, it was okay. Interesting. But you You remember when we were kids and there was uh, Dynamite Magazine? Yeah. Yeah, that was, uh, he was the editor, Jovial Bob Stein. Oh, was he? Okay. Yeah, Uh, we've read a lot of his stuff. You and Ashley are are in that uh, Goosebumps uh, demographic. Did you guys read that growing up? Um, I was not allowed to. Oh, really? How come? (laughs) Too scary. Uh, it's legit though. Um, little kid me would have been scared poopless. So I've never read any thing by R.L. Stein to my knowledge and I have not seen the Goosebumps movie. So, I mean, I, if the series turns out to be really cool, like I'd be down for reading it, but there's nothing about the announcement that gets me particularly excited. What, what about you, Rodrigo? Did you read the Goosebumps or are they too scary for you? Cause my, my uh, oldest son, was reading the Goosebumps as I mentioned, and the the puppet one, the man, uh, the uh, little mannequin guy, yeah, the which, dummy, which apparently is the one that scares everybody to death, scared him mm-hmm. to where he didn't sleep one night because he was so terrified. Yeah, I, I want to say I started like Goosebumps came out when I was either when I was in middle school. I want to say so I was already kind of already starting to get too old to really be scared by it because I think it's like elementary school is like prime goosebumps like uh moment it's like the yeah. the reading level is right the 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 spookiness factor is right it's like oh no a mask i can't take off wow um <laughs> uh you know i was never i, I you know I, and i don't mean to be like ha 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 they never scared me i just right. but i think it's because i naturally gravitated you were probably already the to Stephen goosebumps King ones yeah uh. I, was, I was i was already uh no um but I did watch some Stephen King movies and was simultaneously frightened and disappointed by the endings. So pretty much all of them. <laughs> well, that's pretty much how Stephen King goes. Now, in, I, in any case, <laughs> it's like it, I I always kind of gravitated to the ones that weren't that scary. Like there's like one that's like that's called like Calling All Creeps that just has mm-hmm. a bunch of like weird dinosaur people on the cover, and I'm like, this is the one I want to read. You know, there's like there's one about like a werewolf, and I'm like, oh, that's cool. And it's like especially because a lot of them like pretty much right away is like, Oh, by the way, the main character is actually the monster in this spoiler <laughs> alert. Um, like those are the ones that I tended to like, cause I'm like, okay, well this is kind of like an interesting exploration of what it's like to turn into a monster. Oh yeah. 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 Well, let's here's go back the... to the point where you saw a book called calling all creeps and went, Hey, that's for me. <laughs> uh, look up the cover, look up the cover and you will say, yes, oh, I'm, that is I'm actually... looking at it right now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah definitely. Here's the thing. When I think of man thing, I think of this Marvel character that belongs in kind of a horror genre that is, I don't want to say like a creepy comics, but something like that, where a man thing stumbles upon someone doing something horrible and then he burns them with his, what is it? His hellfire or whatever that he has inside of him. What's mm. What's the deal with man thing, uh, Matthew? Uh, man thing is actually very similar to DC swamp thing. Ted Salas uh, who was a government investigator was trying to rebuild the uh, the formula super created Captain America, yeah. the super soldier formula, and it caused him to be absorbed into the swamp and come out as a guy with a carrot for a nose. But 
The, the thing about it is you can't drag me away from a Man-Thing book. I mean... But aren't they typically it, supposed to be horror and Man-Thing comes in and he doesn't say no. anything and he avenges no, something of, horrible that someone has done? No, that's some of the most iconic ones. But Man-Thing is one of those characters who kind of has transcended his genre. Remember, Man-Thing's earliest stories actually crossed over and gave us Howard the Howard Duck. Howard the Duck, yeah, because of the vortex yep. in uh, Man the Swamp. Man Thing is one of those characters who's been all around the place. For a while in the 90s, he was uh, teleporting Franklin Richards and Artie and Leach around as the Daydreamers. He was a that Thunderbolt. Is peak, peak Man Thing. <laughs> yeah, he was a Thunderbolt a couple of years ago. Basically, the Man Thing is anytime you need a character who does weird things for weird reasons and can mystically make weird stuff happen, he's a great character for that. And as a central character... He really lends himself to that kind of horror anthology thing, but they've actually done Man-Thing straight, flat-out comedy issues. Oh, sure. Well, here's the thing. When the story went up on, on Major Spoilers, and I think it was a day behind everyone else, I had so many people on Twitter reach out to me going, holy crap, R.L. Stein's writing Man-Thing? I'm so excited about this. And that was yeah. their first tweet. And literally 30 seconds later, the, tweet, the following tweet from them is, oh, Man-Thing is talking. I'm out. Interesting. So now having recently regained his ability to speak, Man-Thing sets out on a journey to leave the swamp once and for all. But when an ancient and mysterious danger threatens reality, he will have to choose between his new life and a place he once called home. See, it's a it's an elevator pitch. You can't, I mean, you can, people do, but I don't think that it's necessarily fair to either the writer or the material to say just based on, oh, he's talking, I'm out. That's like, oh, Wonder Woman's wearing black instead of blue, I'm out. For those people that are angry about this, it, it's like that was kind of the thing is here is this mysterious man thing that doesn't speak and is horrifying. And then I guess from these people's perspective, and, and Brian Ibbett is one of the ones that saw the, the speaking thing and was like, basically, I'm not interested, is it makes it more human and less monstrous, thus less scary, I'm guessing, or less horrific. Here's my thing on this, and I've, I've said this before, and we're going to touch on it again and again and again. When a character has that iconic process to it, when someone thinks this is the one true take and the only way that character can be done, that's when they become stagnant. That's what happened to the Fantastic Four when somebody decided every story has to touch on the fact that they're elemental and we have to deal with this, you know, earth, air, fire, water bullcrap. If you look at the history of Man-Thing, that iconic monster wandering in and out like a big green rod serling is only a part of the picture. And I think that, again, I'm buying this regardless, and it is everyone's right to decide based on what they see, whether it's interesting or not. But I think that saying that because something has changed, it's automatically going to suck is problematic. It's the same thing we got. You know, people were mad because, oh my God, they're replacing uh, Captain America this week. We, it's, it's, it's happened it before. Is, it is an interesting thing, though. It, it, like, if you asked me what are the traits that define Man-Thing, mm -hmm. I wouldn't have put the fact that he can't talk is one of the top ones, but apparently for a lot of people it is. Apparently for a lot of people that's important. And that's that's legit you know uh, i mean it it happens like writing a mute character is very difficult mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know so it makes sense that a writer wouldn't want to do that or maybe has a different idea for the character like i i don't think any of these things are 
in and of themselves bad. But I do think that it's very interesting that there is like a significant amount of people who, for them, one of the like silent uh, contracts uh, uh, of man thing mm-hmm. is that he doesn't talk. Mm-hmm. Right. Ashley, are you into horror comics at all? Is this, I mean, R.L. Stein, I mean, when you think Man-Thing and R.L. Stein, you're thinking, oh, this must be horror on top of horror. Or is horror something that gets to you? Is that something in your in your uh, reading interest? It's not something that is super in my wheelhouse. Um, I do read Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, which I feel like is mm. pretty, pretty hardcore by mm-hmm. my standards. Um, I do read Revival, and I read American Vampire when it was out, but it's not a wheelhouse that I really live in. I think based on his reputation, it's a good choice. It's a great way to fold in somebody with a little bit of clout from outside of the 50 or so writers that we're sort of used to seeing juggled around between the big two companies and Mm -hmm. image every six months or so. Um, And, you know, I think the fact that the movie didn't go over so well maybe means (laughs) that... He's excited to branch out into new things. I think from a business standpoint, it's a great move. I really do. I I agree that I think bringing in people from outside comics to write comics like authors, well-known authors like we saw with Mockingbird, uh, like we've seen with um, uh, over at Dynamite with both Red Sonja and um, Vampirilla. I think those are a way to bring people in and to, as Matthew said, maybe it's okay to give us a different take on these characters. This is a five issue miniseries, so it's not like uh, at this time that it's ongoing. Um, but I think that there is a good thing to bring in a different perspective sometimes. And if it can, and if the two match up, because again, I think R.L. Stein and Man-Thing is horror. And so this seems like a good fit for me. Uh, also going along with this is the art by German Peralta. If you look at some of the uh, preview art that we have at Major Spoilers, it has a definite 70s vibe to it. And uh, both in the uh, time setting as well as the uh, art style. And so I'm kind of digging that, too. So this might be a win-win. This might be with the Monsters Unleashed uh, coming up at the first of the year, I think. Or is yeah. that is that also in March? Uh, I think whenever, that's in 2017, January, February one. Yeah. So whenever Cullen Bunn and the rest of the artists unlaunch the Monsters Unleashed, Man-Thing may be just one of those happy additions to that lineup. Oh. And then they'll I do will... Night of the Monster Man. Oh, wait, that was Batman. <laughs> <laughs> again and uh, again and again. I will say this. Bob Stein scared the, the bejesus out of me when I was a kid with a book called The Time Raider, which was a choose-your-own-adventure book. Oh, yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, The Time Raider. There were two endings that stuck with me and horrified me. One, where your brain was harvested to run a computer, you know, for kids. And another one where you got uh, trapped in a time travel loop and were stuck in stasis for eternity and just stood there unable to move, but your mind's still working. Um, So, yeah, I think that book actually may have made me the terrible, twisted, horrible uh, shell of a man that I am today. Now, you know, (laughs) Matthew, you and I talked um, a while ago on the Top 5 podcast about Mm. things that millennials wouldn't understand. And one of them that I had mentioned was the (laughs) Choose Your Own Adventure books, right? Right. Apparently they okay. are still As making choose your millennial, own. That's what I'm saying. Those in yeah, the library. yeah, I thought that yeah. those ended. I thought those ended in like the no. mid eighties, but they are still publishing those today. In fact, my my nephew requested a bunch of them for Christmas. You know what else millennials don't understand, Ashley? Transformers. <laughs> uh, they will never know the wonder of Optimus Prime. 
I yeah. watched exactly no Transformers, so I will no, have to agree to you on that. <laughs> number number one things millennials don't understand is the necessity of Gen Xers to talk to them about <laughs> things they don't understand. <laughs> uh, oh man, yeah. that Survivor okay. season is really playing into that. Oh, that's a terrible. T- uh, don't even get me started no, about just, Zeke. I am just correcting. A, I am just correcting something that I had said on another podcast about uh, <laughs> how I thought that um, the choose your own adventure stuff had played out back in the eighties. But no, they it's, make them it's for, still going um, strong today. They yeah. make them for adults, too. I read like a Jane oh, really? Austen Choose Your Own Adventure. Yeah. yeah. Like not that long cool. ago. Wow. She ended up crazy. with Mr. Darcy and then their brains were harvested. Uh, recently, I want to say um, the guy behind Dinosaur Comics and I want to say like Nimona slash. Yeah. I think him and Noel. Uh, the, Stevenson. The, yeah. Actually wrote a did a thing together that was called Romeo and or Juliet, which is a oh, yeah. your own adventure. That's interesting. Nice. Yeah. I'm just looking at the list of them, uh, that have been published, uh, 2011 to the present from McGraw Hill that does that. And so, uh, yeah, some interesting things. It looks like RA Montgomery is still going strong as the main author of that. <laughs> As the main uh, pen name that the yeah, dozens yeah. and dozens of uh, you've got uh, Shannon Gilligan, a cup of death. I uh, love Shannon Gilligan. Allison Skipper. Gilligan, treasure of the Onyx dragon. Don't forget Chinese dragons. Uh, Is everybody named Gilligan? Pretty much. Uh, All the books Montgomery. are about dragons. Or Jim Wallace. Gilligan. So there you go. Uh, like the okay. naming convention is like vaguely Eastern ethnic sounding mystery. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> All right, and if you want to find out more, you can head over to Majorspoilers.com. And if you are a Patreon member at Patreon.com slash Majorspoilers, you can hear us uh, share our thoughts about the Wizards of the Coast eliminating the D&D organized play volunteers and what comes from that. That's over at Patreon.com slash Majorspoilers. When you sign up, you get access to bonus content and a whole lot more. Plus, you get to keep independent shows like this going week after week and allow us to bring in such fantastic people as Ashley, Matthew, and Rodrigo week after week as well. So head over to patreon.com slash major spoilers. We are so close to hitting our goal of 100 patrons by the end of the year. You can make it happen. You can help too. One of our uh, latest is uh, Justin. Thank you, Justin, for your help. And David he was just in time. He was just in time. Yes, he is. And Joshua yeah. also and Martin uh, just pledged. So those are some he of our newest Mark patrons. He was Martin time. <laughs> yes. All right. Great. Let us do some reviews. <laughs> oh let's start out with you matthew because i am super interested in the big reveal spoiler this came out last week the clone conspiracy number three now for those of you that don't know suddenly all of these dead people are back in spider-man's life and everyone's pointing to the jackal but the jackal pulls off his mask or or shaggy and scooby pull off the jackal's mask it's somebody Uh else completely yes well yes and no the thing about it is the jackal was originally professor miles warren uh, who was Peter Parker's uh, college biology professor who accidentally created cloning and started the whole mess that ruined the 1990s. Those of you who remember uh, the 1990s well and are very happy about the 1990s in Spider-Man comics, great. All three of you have a good time. This issue, written by Dan Slotart by Jim Chung, who I just love, love Jim Chung, it starts after terrible things have happened because one of the people that the Jackal has cloned was Gwen Stacy. Gwen Stacy. So Pete, being a genius, 
and a master of the multiverse actually brings in Spider-Woman, Spider-Gwen from Earth-65 and uses her to infiltrate the Jackal's organization. That went bad. Um, a lot of the villains who are resurrected under the command of Gwen's father, Captain Stacy, are running around trying to find Gwen and Spider-Man. Uh, the Prowler may be evil, he may not. Uh, but as this story goes on, we discover three important bits of information. One, the Scarlet Spider, who is himself a clone of Peter Parker, is suffering from the carrion virus. Is that the like carrion a carrion virus. crawler virus like you found in D&D Adventures? No, it's like, oh. it's like carry on my wayward son. Ah. Um, what had happened was in the 1980s, after the clone conspiracy, the original clone saga, Carrion showed up, who was supposed to be sort of kind of a clone and a thing, and it was all a big thing. Unfortunately, all the people who have been resurrected, if they don't regularly take their drugs, turn into not just carrion viruses, but infectious carrion viruses, which means they'll turn everyone around them into zombies. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, that's one. Number two, much of the city of New York is under the jackal's thumb. Uh, High-ranking Literally officials, or figuratively? Figuratively, okay. high-ranking officials, the chief of police, Mayor J. Jonah Jameson, all have had loved ones brought back through the New You Project and are now working, if not for, at least with the Jackal in his new process, uh, including one Otto Octavius back from the dead as, sadly, a fat man with a bowl haircut. But, you know, you can't remain cool and awesome all the time. And as this issue goes on, there's a lot of the fighty-fighty. Gwen suits up in her cool Gwen suit. One of Spider-Man's major villains doesn't do a face turn exactly, but does something very noble and tries to come in and say, no, you owe me one. And Spider-Man's like, no, I've seen what's happened here. I have seen all of this. You owe me, Kingpin. <gasps> Yes. And then, of course, the biggest reveal of all, as the issue ends, Spider-Man shows up. They're fighting. They're fighting. They're fighting. He punches the Jackal. The Jackal's wooden mask comes off. And he says, no, it's a darker shade of red, Peter. It's more of a scarlet. <gasps> it's me, Peter. It's Ben Riley. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, so there's your spoilers. If you didn't fast forward, I apologize for the inconvenience. Eh, it's a week old. The, this is all over yeah, the internet. For the rest of the review, week. I shall refer to him as Slagathor. Uh, <laughs> so, this is explicitly pointed out to be the actual one. He says he remembers what happened at the end of the Clone Saga when he died and blew away into a, a pile of dirt. And Peter's like, no, it can't be. You're dead. And he's like, no, you're going to help me. And throughout the whole story, people are saying, Peter... Peter, we didn't want to get you involved because on all the alternate universes, you team up with the Jackal. You help the Jackal. And Peter's like, why? And on the last page, the Jackal Ben Riley says, together we can do it, Pete. Together we'll bring back Uncle Ben. Dun, dun, dun. So Uncle Ben converted him. No, no, wait, that's Rice. In any case, really shocking moments. And... One of the rare times where somebody says, don't read it. It's a shocking moment. It'll freak you out. Yeah, I think it would have. That's, I've, um, I've read all of the, the first two issues. And so I hadn't had mm -hmm. a chance to read this one. But I, of course, being in this community, knew yeah, what was you. happening. So, uh, yeah. wow, it's still very, very fascinating and exciting. 
It is. And the fact that they make a point and slot is very good and very subtle about putting in the bits where it feels natural. It can't be you. You're dead. I saw you dissolve. No, I remember dying. It's really me, Pete. It's totally me. Your brother, your brother, Ben, not blonde anymore, but I kind of like it. Four slices of meatloaf for the clone conspiracy. There are things that drive me nuts about the current Spider-Man, mostly the big glowy green chest symbol, which I just, I don't get it. It just seems like a concession to Alex Ross and his terrible color sense, but that's not important right now. This is a very well-drawn issue. This is a really, really well-put-together issue and one that gives me hope for a couple of good things. Uh, not the least of which is maybe the Prowler isn't as evil as he seems to have possibly maybe kind of been. I don't know. I've always loved the Prowler. He's one of the mm-hmm. guys that I like. You know, well, He got switched in the first issue, I think. He got killed by Electro and cloned, but yeah. Peter doesn't realize that he's under the Jackal's thumb mm-hmm. right now. Because everyone who has been cloned has to take the Jackal's special drug to stay alive or else they melt down into Carrions. Yeah. Crazy so times. bad, ugly thing. Crazy yeah. And there's times. a new Electro, and they finally did the right thing with Electro. They brought back the starfish mask, mm-hmm. but uh, they killed Max Dillon and gave his powers to his lady friend. So now you've got Max Dillon's starfish mask on a female form, and it looks much cooler for some reason. I think it's just mm-hmm. a matter of proportion. Cool. Well, thank you for that. That's from Marvel out last week. Uh, Clone Conspiracy number three out this week from Black Mask Jackal. Studios, uh, Ashley. Yes. We have black, uh, black number three. Yes. I think, I know you guys did comics last week, but I think mm-hmm. that Black might be the most important comic that has come out of 2016. Uh, it is, um, I, I'm really sorry, I can't pronounce the last name of the writer. His first name is Kwanzaa. Um, and the art is by Jamal Igel, although there is elements and designs by a bunch of different people who are credited um, on the cover page. And you may have heard of Black because it was a ridiculously overfunded Kickstarter project. It's mm-hmm. The premise is, what if only Black people got superpowers in the current world where we really like to shoot them and the repercussions of that? Um, so a young man named Kareem uh, is falsely accused of a crime that he didn't commit. He discovers he has powers. He is recruited by a bunch of other cool uh, African-American characters brought to a facility and trained. And in this particular issue, we're dealing with the direct aftermath of, of what happened in issue two, because in issue one is a lot of introduction. Issue two, uh, we finally get to go out in the world and see uh, the cast of characters use their powers. And in issue three, uh, Kareem, our leading man, who's basically your Superman analog, if you know uh, your Justice Leaguers and your X-Mans, you can definitely mm-hmm. pick out the analogs. There's a Black Canary here. Um, mm-hmm. So we don't quite know what Kareem's powers are, which is an interesting thing about him. But he's, for all intents and purposes, Superman. And they have come across a young man named Cole. And Cole is like Pyro, but if he got all crusty and uh, like charcoal briquette on the outside. Mm. And Cole is being held against his will, as far as we can tell and Kareem can tell, um, inside the team's facilities because he's a danger to himself, he's a danger to those around him, and he's a murderer. Um, And Kareem has to confront the idea that his handlers, his Nick Furies, 
um, aren't telling him everything and won't tell him everything because they think they know what's best. And of course, he thinks he knows what's best. And then when something happens with Cole, he has to decide whether or not um, he is going to stay with these people who have trained him and who have prepared him for what he is in the world now or whether or not he's going to strike out on his own. Um, and the issue doesn't come out till tomorrow, so I don't want to spoil much more than that. Uh, it's a really, really excellent issue. Uh, it's all grayscale, which I think really adds nicely to the hook of it being a heavily African-American cast. And I think that Black Mask is a really... I mean, I've, I've, I've enjoyed a couple things from Black Mask. Um, I really liked Kim and Kim. I'm excited for Max Visaggio's next series. Um, but this is a big move for them as a company. They're quite a new uh, press, and it tackles a lot of what we've seen ramped up over the course of 2016, but wrapped up in a fiction that we all like. Uh, it's excellent storytelling. It's beautiful art. So I'm going to give it four out of five slice of meatloaf. And I know I didn't tell you a lot about it, but there's only three issues and I would really recommend going and picking them up um, or getting them digitally because mm -hmm. it's an excellent superhero origin that actually, you know, means something. Yeah. Head over to majorspoilers.com because we do have a preview of the most recent issue up there uh, on the site. And uh, it's very interesting. The art is very cool. Yeah. Jamal Igo, man. Yeah. He's great. Uh, also out this week is DC's Rebirth Holiday Special Number 1. This is done by a variety of different people with art by a variety of different people. And this is a, gosh, this is a almost a 90-page special that DC is putting out, so it's got a price tag to go with it. Um, this is, you know, as a holiday special goes, and we talked holiday specials last week, I believe, on the Major Spoilers podcast. Um, this is kind of like the Christmas stocking of gifts, Right. A Christmas stocking really has a lot of filler stuff, a lot of little things that in the grand scheme of things don't really matter. And sometimes some of the things are cool and sometimes there's a lot of things that you're going to find in your stocking that are not cool. That's kind of what DC Rebirth Holiday Special is to me. Um, there are a couple of really cool stories that I enjoy. Uh, there are some that I could do without. I think there's quite honestly a little bit too much Superman, Batman and the super kids in this. Um, but I think that's, I guess, somewhat fitting because it is, a, you know, a holiday special. But one story, not three different stories, I think would be would be fine. Uh, but there are some real treats in this, like the uh, the Flash Christmas Carol. Wow. That's uh, James uh, Tynan, the, the fourth and Robbie Rodriguez. The art in that is fantastic. Um that one is a great story to read, as is the, um, which one is the, oh, A Batman and Detective Chimp in the Night We Saved Christmas is yeah. another one that's really cool. Just from the art style alone, from... Uh, that's, the, that's the team from Bizarro, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, because the art style is so cool. I want to see an animated feature done in that style because it looks so cool. Mm -hmm. And it's neat because Detective Chimp is walking around wearing a suit. And, you know, just having these really cool conversations and and Batman and uh, and Detective Chimp team up to save uh, this guy, Noel's uh, little dog that turns out not to be a little dog. And Noel doesn't seem to be just this uh, store Santa Claus that you think he is. Uh, but it's it's really nice. Um, there are some other ones that, you know, are fun and interesting. Uh, there is this the one that is uh, um, it is a Superman Batman story that has. Superman and Batman saving the day and then suddenly Superman going, oh, no, this uh, Monster X game everyone is talking about. I really want to get it for my kid, but 
no place has it. And Batman's like, well, uh, there's a couple of places you go check. And Superman flies around the world trying to find this video game for his son. Turns out every store or every time he gets close to getting a copy, there's a crime going on that he has to stop and save. And then when he gets to Gotham, he's ready to grab the last one. But Damien gets it first. And, in, and Damien, of course, <laughs> knows who Superman, he knows who Clark Kent is and kind of rubs it in his face. Uh, but then uh, later they're all at the Kent home. Uh, I guess I'm sorry, the Smith home, because that's what the, their names are. Uh, they're at the Smith right. home and they're doing the uh, uh, gift exchange. And, and Clark is like, what's the kid's name? Joe, uh, John, John, Jonathan. He's like, uh, Jonathan, I tried really hard. I couldn't get it for you. And Damien's like, here's my gift. And uh, they open it up and it's the uh, it's the video game. And of course. Uh, John is super excited and he and Damien go off to play and Bruce is like, I had no idea that he was doing that. I really apologize. That gift should have come from you. And uh, Clark is like, nah, it's okay. Because really what that gift symbolizes is friendship, that these two are friends, that they can uh, be kids and they can play video games just like ordinary kids do because they're extraordinary kids who can't just lead, lead ordinary lives. So this is a good gift. And so that story was okay. And so there's a smattering of that. Excuse me. There's a smattering of that throughout the book. I think there's something for everybody in there, but I'm not expecting everyone to love everything in this book. Uh, it was still a lot of fun. I'm giving it three and a half slices of meatloaf out of five. I think there's more to like than there's not to like. But man, the the three or four that I've uh, shared, the Flash Christmas Carol is fantastic. If you've ever wondered why the rogues and Flash never fight during Christmas, this is the story for you. It is, it is um, great. I've never wondered that because I can think of at least three examples of them doing it. Shush! This is I'm Barry telling the story, and it is great, and the art is fantastic. So go read that one first, then the Batman and Detective Chimp. Uh, there's also an interesting Wonder Woman and Constantine uh, story, which is interesting. Um, I, I just my overall thought is there's too much Superman and Batman in this book. Um, but overall, is it's it's a fun read and worth checking out. If I think it's an eight dollar book. So um, you need to have some some pockets for that. But you get 96 pages of of stuff or almost 90 pages of stuff. Uh, That's so not significant. You know what would have been great? Is uh, if like Superman's gonna get the game and then like Damien takes it before he can, and Superman goes, Son of the demon. <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't quite do that. He's just like, uh, What does he say? I'd have to flip through it. I'm sorry, it's a ten dollar book. Uh, so you have that, uh, have that going for you. There's there's a lot of pages to uh, flip through here. Let me see if I can get to that page. He goes, uh, You snooze, you lose, Mr. Quote unquote Smith, is what he says. And Clark is just uh, standing there like, what? How did this kid get this from me? So it, it, go check it out. It's the DC. It's the DC Rebirth Holiday Special number one. Um, something for everybody. $10 book. Three and a half slices of meatloaf out of five. Coming out next week, Rodrigo, is a book from Dark Horse Comics. Correct. Uh, Ether number two. I reviewed Ether number one a while back. Um, because they like, um, they actually, uh, sent us both ether one and two to do mm -hmm. an early review on. I only did the first one, uh, but now the second issue is about to come out. Um, so ether is the story of a man named Boone Diaz, who is a scientist and he is trying to 
study a mysterious world called the ether where magical things happen but he asserts that it's not magic it's science and he's going to prove it even though the actual magical critters that live there a lot of which are sentient um are like no man this is magic and he's like no it's not shut up is largely what happens in this story (laughs) um it's uh as far as the art um which is uh by david rubin or rubin i don't know i'm not sure um it's it's really great um he has real command over like you know facial expressions it's you know just you know quote unquote cartoony enough to to have a kind of a sense of whimsy to it but still you know uh, you know humans have human proportions and um there's uh the, some of the expressions are exaggerated but generally speaking um it's a good mix of like uh you know a a good amount of like realistic humans to you know giant talking monkeys and you know bullets with faces on them and and things like that Mm -hmm. um that said uh there's something about this story that from the beginning um i've been i've been trying to figure out um what it is that kind of leaves me a little bit cold on it. Um, I think last time I talked about how there kind of aren't any girls in it. That's definitely a thing. Um, you know, the one of the, there's basically two ladies that we see in this, and I'm pretty sure they're both dead. Or one of them's dead and one of them's out of the main character's live. Um, but that's really not what it is. I think that this book really conjures up a lot of similar things like chowder like sandman like a lot of uh things that talk about sort of these alternate magical realities and i don't know somehow manages to fall short of the like uh you know the the average of all of these things i'm still like there's something about this book where especially due to the art i really want to like it but it's just kind of not doing it for me and it's hard to put my finger on what exactly it is um, I think I'm just partially not crazy about the main character who's, you know, uh, it's the angle of like, here's a character that despite seeing all this magic stuff, doesn't actually believe it. That's interesting, but there's something about his attitude towards all of it that I think kind of turns me off. It's hard to tell. I'm not exactly sure on what that is. Um, this, uh, issue advances the story. He's trying to, um, investigate what happened to the blaze which is sort of the mystical guardian of the realm um and uh has to go to uh interrogate a guy over it uh we also get to see his life on earth which is just straight up terrible like he's basically homeless and um has to spend a lot of time eating and drinking because the ether has specific things going on that kind of don't allow for normal food consumption you know a lot of this stuff is interesting but also uh in a lot of ways i kind of don't care it's weird it's weird <laughs> it's it's mostly i think the art keeps hooking me in but there's just something about the story that i'm not all that interested in um i'm gonna give it two slices of meatloaf again um probably worth picking up just for the art uh but it's just kind of 
even more so than the last issue where everything is like, here's the explanation for what you're seeing. I'm like, okay, okay. Like now that we've settled that, it's it's still it's kind of trudging along for me. I'm I'm mm. I'm just not that into. Okay, that's cool. Uh, we've gone through reviews on this show, and you can find a lot more reviews over at Majorspoilers.com. Over there at the site, you can also find the Major Spoilers Poll of the Week. Poll of the Week, 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 week. So this story just came in from Variety. The um, Walking Dead had its uh, mid-season show this past Sunday, and oh. the mid-season finale pulled in 10.58 million viewers, which is still a lot more than what you're going to find in a lot of other shows. Um, but the interesting thing is that Variety's pointing out that the audience was down 27% from last year's mid-season finale and down nearly 40% from the season premiere, which is an in-season drop far steeper than any other show uh, on television. Mm. And now we all love zombies. I mean, I don't have a problem with zombies. I love zombies just as much as the next person. But I'm wondering, are we starting to see a tipping point where people are saying enough is enough with the zombies? Is the zombie genre played out? And so your, um, your answers can be yes, kill it already. Maybe I need to chew on it for a bit more or no, mm. bring out the undead. So I'm wondering, Ashley, what do you, what do you think of the zombie genre? Should we do away with it? Should it stick around for a little bit longer or should we just like bring out as much as we possibly can all at once? I have never and will never enjoy or partake in the zombie genre. How so come? you can just. Um, when I was in elementary school, our teacher showed us the 1990s version of uh, Night of the Living Dead, something mm. of the what Living Dead. What is wrong with your teacher? Um, and it was scary. And I think it's like BS and I don't think they're compelling. And I think like a, a werewolf or a vampire or like literally any other kind of monster is at least intellectually interesting, even if the story is stupid. Um, yeah, I just think it's like I think it's kind of a garbage plot device. So you, you can you can you can kill it, kill it now, kill it with fire. We we've talked about it before on the show, um, about what different horror genres represent. And if I'm not mistaken, the zombie genre basically represents a breaking down of society where yeah, the monster is us. Yeah, basically. where you have to be prepared for when society ultimately falls apart. And oh, and people who think the zombie apocalypse is going to happen are also exhausting to be around. <laughs> <laughs> well, I haven't done my I've had a horror. I've actually not had a horrible zombie uh, nightmare in a while. Um, but, you know, for you my for no, for my selection, I chose maybe I, I think I need to chew on it a bit more because we are either going to start four years of this genre becoming incredibly popular because of people's fears or. They're going to be too preoccupied that that the zombie genre is just not something they're interested in because of what's going on. And I know people are like, oh, Stephen, really, you're going that way. Yeah, that's where it goes to. Whatever's going on in society, that is reflected in our movies. When uh, Rodrigo, when we talk about vampires, uh, you were talking about how that represents uh, sexually transmitted diseases. Or when right, we that's one at, reading of it, certainly, yeah. yeah. Or yeah. when we talk about werewolves. Or, or when we, xenophobia. Or when we talk about the, yeah, or when we talk about the mummies that are coming. And Tom Cruise is trying hard to bring back the mummies. But I'm, I'm at this point where I don't know if we've had enough zombie movies. We could actually see a huge kick in the pants of zombie genre stuff in the next couple of years. So I'm, I'm just holding a, a wait and see kind of approach to it. Matthew? 
Well, there's, there's two things that I think we need to address before I give you my answer. One, um, I don't believe that zombie is a genre. I believe that zombie is a trope of the horror genre. And as such, I'm not necessarily willing to treat it as a thing unto itself, separate and distinctive horror movies. And two, The Walking Dead sucks because Negan sucks. Negan is a terrible, brutal, meaningless, stupid, endlessly well, boring character, and that's why their numbers are dropping. This now, isn't the this isn't necessarily about the Walking Dead, but this was the thing that was. No, prompting. I'm just telling you why their numbers are dropping. I'm, that's that's my thing. When it comes to zombies, though, I say no for two reasons. Okay, I don't believe that any. And we we say it and we say it and we say it. I don't believe that any trope is bad. It depends on how you address it how you're dealing with it saying are zombies played out is like saying are romances bad or are there hats i mean it's uh, all yes to in both of how, it's all in how you address it who's doing it and whether you've seen it before i mean i love the original night of the living dead the george romero black and white 12 dollar movie which doesn't have a whole lot of gore but what gore it has really hits home i think that's a wonderful movie and I feel like each successful dead movie may have some slightly lesser returns, but even the Zack Snyder uh, Day of the Dead movie is good on its own merits. And you know, I'm not willing to say that zombies are the problem for dumb stories. The problem with dumb stories is laziness. It's poor writing. It's repeatedly using, you know, references rather than actually writing a good story. So I don't think there's anything wrong with the zombies themselves. I think the problem is Negan. Um, and in a larger sense, Negan as representative of we don't have to be clever because this is it's a zombie story. It's a romance story. It's a superhero story. We don't have to put anything into it that makes it unique or different because, oh, well, people love zombies. People love superheroes. People love, you know, Anne Hathaway kissing people. It's, it's not about the, the material. I think it's about the creators. Rodrigo, what do you think? Is the zombie genre played out? So if uh, if people pay close attention to uh, the Major Spoilers podcast over the past thousand or so years that we've been doing it, mm -hmm. um, uh, people have heard me basically be like, ugh, The Walking Dead, they're, made, they're making a com an ongoing zombie comic. Isn't this played out? And that was in 2003. <laughs> like... <laughs> I've been tired of zombies since before. Apparently, zombies became a thing. Like, um, you know, the original Night of the Living Dead is fun. Day of the Dead is fun. Uh, the one where, like, the guy is like, hey, wife, let me just eat your brains. Which one was that? It was like, That's Return of the Living Dead. Return of the Living Dead, right? It's like, yeah. there's lots of fun to be had with zombies. Um, but there was kind of this, like, I think starting in the 90s, and into the early 2000s, there was kind of this crystallization of what the zombie genre was, what zombies are and how they work and how they behave with very minimal variation in between them. And that's about the time when I checked out. Um, I, I think zombies have become pretty boring because there's only so many things you can do with them. And yes, I know it's all about the human drama, but the thing is, zombie movies are sort of limiting about which aspects of the human drama you can play out right and even within that limiting factor we have seen them all you know we have seen very straightforward stuff like the one in the mall which one was that 
Dawn of the Dawn of the Dead. Dawn of the Dead. Right. So the one in the mall, Dawn of the Dead. Wait. We've seen Zombieland, which is kind of straddling that comedy part of it, but also, you know, very interpersonally driven thing. We've seen Shaun of the Dead, which is all the way in the comedy side. Um, we have seen, you know, very straightforward stuff. We've seen stuff where, like, the zombies aren't really zombies, like 28 Days Later. We've seen all of these permutations of them. And they're pretty exhausted and, at this point, pretty exhausting for me. I'm ready for zombies to quietly fade back into the background the way that cowboys have, the way that spacemen have, um, and just, you know, basically surge back when Superman needs a horde of villains to fight or, you know, when uh, it just kind of, you know, 5, 10, 15 years on the line kind of like gets another spike because somebody figures out something new to do with Mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. Over in the comment section, there's some really good comments. Uh, Shane says, I am uh, so tired of the whole undead genre, especially zombies. If I hear that a show has zombies in it, I'm out. Tim has a really long a well-written argument on, uh, hey, everybody, let's just get along. Uh, But basically, he says, um, zombies are not going anywhere. If it isn't your thing, you can always skip it. But I think they're here to stay, and I will always find a cozy little niche right here with the rest of our pop culture. Uh, Burning Dragon Bread says, uh, I'd like to see this craze dialed back a bit for a while, not completely done away with, not by far, just not so zombie-centric everything uh, for a little while. Not a big fan of zombies to begin with, but I'd hate to see some potential masterpiece pass by simply because it was yet another zombie story in an already flooded sea of zombie stories. Uh, Sidna says it definitely needs to make way for mummy werewolves in 2017. Hashtag mummy werewolves 2017. Uh, Matthew, how has everyone voted so far in the major spoilers poll of the week? Well, as I think everybody expected a whopping 66% saying kill it with fire. Uh, Only you have to kill them with shotguns. To the brain. Uh, no, you can you can light them on fire if you burn the heads. Twenty three percent saying maybe. Only eleven percent saying no. But I think what everyone agrees on is that Negan sucks. Actually, what was how old? What what grade were you in when this teacher showed this to you in in elementary school? I mean, I was in eighth grade. But was still, it a color film? Yeah, it was the one with Tony Todd in it. Tony Todd. I don't know. I think Tony Todd's like the black guy in that. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's the one who's in charge of the. That would be the 1985 remake. Does he die at the end? Yeah, he like goes down to the basement and smokes a cigarette. Mm -hmm. Does Barbara survive? I don't know who that is. The blonde girl who cries. Uh, I don't think any of them survive. Still, that's an R-rated film. That's an R-rated film. You're showing eighth graders. Yeah. Ugh, I'm sorry for your horrible teacher. And what I it is it is just like very interesting. What was the lesson there or just like Social hey kids studies. let's do something fun today <laughs> it was Social like studies. it was like halloween time so it was like oh that's oh interesting yeah i would have gone with goosebumps <laughs> i would have gone with a goosebumps movie wow i showed the 12 year old night of the living dead last halloween she kind of liked it i think it depends on the child but and and it depends I was on the situation if you're at school child. and you're not expanding it true yeah yeah, especially at school when so, I mean, so many, I don't know. If they did that here, parents would be like, burn the school down with fire. Parents, parents would mob the school moaning. Hey, this episode of the Major Spoilers Podcast is being brought to you by Tweaked Audio. Head over to tweakedaudio.com. Maybe a little bit too late to get your last minute Christmas shopping in now. 
But uh, if you're trying to find an apology gift for not getting someone a Christmas gift this year, head over to tweakedaudio.com. Check out all the styles, all the different uh, features that they have. Best of all, use the checkout code MAJOR. When you go to tweakedaudio.com, save 33% off the price. That's a great way to start off the new year by saving money. Tweakedaudio.com. Thank you for your support. It's not too late. I just started ordering my shopping gifts today. Yeah, I think they said by the 13th, 14th, if you don't have stuff in that a lot of places are like, we can't guarantee that it will get to you by Christmas. Uh, and that's probably a good rule of thumb that if you th- if you think you still have time, that's whenever they screw you over. Oh, no, I got a, I got a thing in the mail today saying, hey, uh, that thing you ordered that you thought was going to be here by Christmas, it's probably going to come after Christmas. And this is like the second year in a row that that's happened when I've ordered far enough in advance. So well, clearly not. <laughs> uh, no, you'd think, hey, December 1st, it should be here in plenty of time. No. <laughs> that's why I'm going to have to go with Ashley's. I'm doing all my Christmas shopping in uh, in October. Heck yeah. I mean, we that. ordered my wife's uh, birthday gift and they said, hey, it will be there in four days. Two weeks later, after her birthday, it showed up. So, yeah, stupid shippings. Hey, but let's not talk about horrible shipping. Let's talk about some of the great things of 2016. Now, last week, Matthew and I shared our favorite comic books of 2016. This week, we're sharing some of our other favorite things of 2016. This could be movies, television, games, books, whatever it may be. Ashley, you weren't uh, with us uh, last week. How about you start off? What, what would you like to start in? What category? Hmm, let's start with movies. Okay, what was one, what was one of your favorite movies of 2016? Uh, one of my favorite movies was Moonlight. Uh, oh, that, which that's is uh, the, just out, right? Uh, I mean, it's been out for like a month and a half. Okay, so let's I say think that it, it might just be out. It might just be out in wide release. Okay, yeah, because a uh, lot of people I, have not I heard about a, this, but have, it was up for some Golden Globes. Right, um, and it won a Critics' Choice Award. It won a bunch of Gotham Awards. Um, it's an A twenty four, A twenty four. If you're looking for independent movies. Um, with a with a little bit of clout, either the writer, the director, or one of the stars is someone that you have seen in that thing. Um, A24 is the studio that you want to go to. Also, if you're not familiar with independent film and you want a safe entryway into watching something that's not a giant piece of crap, A24 is a good studio to start with. Uh, A24 uh, handled this movie, and Brad Pitt is also on as one of the executive producers, which means he gave it a bunch of money and is the reason that it's getting a wide release at all. Um, it co-stars Mayor Shala Ali, or as you may know him, Remy Danton from House of Cards mm. and uh, Cottonmouth from Luke Cage. Oh, okay. And yeah. it tells, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's so beautiful and so good in this movie. <laughs> and uh, Naomi Harris, who you may know as uh, the new sexy money penny in the James Bond franchise. And it follows a young boy growing up uh, in great poverty in Miami, Florida. Uh, his mother is a drug addict, and he gets taken in by a local drug lord um, who sees something in him and kind of wants to give him a better life. And you follow him through three phases of his life uh, as he learns and grows and um, decides whether or not he's going to become more than his mentor and learn some things about sexuality, as with all coming-of-age stories. And... Uh, it's just legitimately like the best movie I've seen this year. It's the most well-made. And I also think it's the most important movie that I've seen this year. But it's the kind that you go see once and then like you're real sad about all your privilege. So <laughs> yeah. 
then you have to go watch like a cartoon to get over it. But yeah. Moonlight, uh, I would recommend checking it out if it is in a theater near you. One of my favorite movies of 2016, Kobu and the Two Strings. Holy crap. You want to see some amazing stop motion animation and you want to get a good story that just captivated my youngest son throughout. Kobu and the in the in the two strings is and Kubu in the in the two strings. I'm never going to pronounce Kubo. it. Right. I got a I got a, a, a <laughs> lozenge in my mouth, so I stopped. Calling uh, it. Uh, but man, lozenge. this was something that was <laughs> f- you so good this year that I couldn't believe how great it was. And so uh, Kobu and the Kubo and the two strings is definitely a movie on my uh, best of 2016 list. Matthew, do you have a favorite movie from this year? I have a couple, actually. Um, my first one, surprisingly, I didn't realize when went to, from 2013, um, but it was a not a sequel to a movie that I really, really enjoyed a few years ago from a lot of people that I don't trust and John Goodman. Uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was so good, though. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's this weird psychological thriller. And I went in, and then they're like, it's got a secret connection to that other Cloverfield movie, you guys. And But I didn't care. Because it's this weird found footage almost thing with the, with the narrative. And John Goodman is riveting in every single sequence. And it does the everything you know is wrong, bwang, not once. Not twice, but three times, and each time works. And it's so difficult to do that even once and have it happen. But when you get to the end of that movie, and the third time everything you know is wrong, it's just like, holy crap, that was amazing. Is that really Mm -hmm. a J.J. Abrams movie? Yeah, well, it's from his uh, production company. Well, it had the scary robot coming to kill me out of the field. Yeah. Every time I see the terrifying robot, I think, oh, my God, is this going to be another 2009 Star Trek? Oh, my God, guys. But, oh, wonderful. And uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead is so note perfect. Even when she's playing horror girl, you know, the horror protagonist girl who gets Mm -hmm. stuck in terrible, stupid situations, she plays it smart and she plays it real. And it's really hard to do that. It's uh, it's my favorite thing she's been in because I usually refer to her as terrible Ramona Flowers. And uh, I feel like she she transcended that. She's super, super good in that movie. I saw her in something the other day, and I can't remember what it was. And she was like the only thing in the film worth anything. She's actually doing a show called Deadheads, I I, want to say it's called. It's like a weird alien invasion. No, it's not about (laughs) the Grateful Dead, no. Um, but uh, I've been meaning to watch it, only partially because she's in it. Cool. Rodrigo, do you have a favorite movie from this year? I do. And that movie is Moana. Because <gasps> Moana was really fantastic. It kind of it's like just the the Disney formula just polished to a mirror sheen. Um just executed so well throughout. Um and it really is. I mean, you can just see it like side by side with Tangled and be like, this is, this is basically the same movie. Um, but it's just like the execution of it is so good. The songs are good. The voice acting is fantastic. The twist is great. Um, there's just like lots of little things, except for the fact that I feel like they should have brought the pig along and left the chicken. <laughs> in oh, the I so that's, that's my only real complaint about it. <laughs> Very cool. Matthew, you said you had another movie that you enjoyed this year. 
I did, and I enjoyed it in spite of myself, and I hate the fact that I love it, and I'm really worried that it's going to be the new model going forward because that film is Deadpool. Yeah, that's another one. that I, That's one I was just going to mention, too. That movie yeah. surprised the heck out of me. Right. And it's I joyful. enjoyed it for all the wrong reasons. Yes, and that's the problem with it. I don't want it to become the new model for superhero movies. But, oh, my God, it so works with this character and these actors in this particular situation. And they even managed to kind of play it off to where there's points at where you feel like you're watching some scrappy little indie movie. They're like, it's almost like we couldn't afford more than two X-Men at a time. I love those moments, even though I know that it's like a $500 million Fox blockbuster. No, it's about $20 yeah. million. Dollars. Even so, you're like... You're watching this film and you're getting engrossed in a character who, you know, five, six years ago, I couldn't stand. But mm -hmm. now I feel like this movie is part of the key to understanding what he does right and what he does well. And I feel like there's just something about it that really kind of transcends the everything has to be based on 1989 Batman of, of superhero movies over the last 20 years. And it's just... For me, that's a huge breath of fresh air. Now, five years from now, when I've got four more of these movies, and they're basically the same thing over and over, and they relaunch Green Lantern in this style, maybe I won't like it. But right well, now, I'm totally down. They've got to get that second movie out of the way first, and that's uh, becoming quite the hurdle for them. So Deadpool 2? Yeah. Electric Boogaloo? Yeah. Uh, Ashley, do you have another favorite movie on the list? I mean, uh, Deadpool and, uh, and, and uh, Kubo were probably the two biggest ones for me this year. Uh, Moana was going to be my my alternate. I just think it's so amazing. I'm actually wearing like the 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 hot topic like knockoff Moana necklace right oh, now. Yeah. Uh, I love it so much. Um, and I think that I'm glad that Disney snapped up Lin Manuel Miranda to be their musical mm -hmm. whatever his title is because mm -hmm. the music. And the visuals are really what transcend the the traditional princess narrative. Because even though she's not a princess, and they make a point of saying that, it's the, it's it's like Rodrigo said. It's like that typical female led Disney adventure story. Mm -hmm. But yeah, and some, then I mean Kubo, like the artistry is just mm -hmm. beyond. There were some movies that I really wanted to like a lot, and they were good, but they just weren't like, oh man, I got to see this again and again. The Nice Guys was one that I was really oh, expecting like a lot from, and I mean it was good, but it wasn't like. This is one of the greatest movies of 2016. Um, now, Star Wars. I feel uh, like everyone liked. Go for it. Go. I was going to say uh, uh, Rogue One, a Star Wars story comes out next week or this week mm. uh, by the time you're listening to it. Um, I, I'm expecting that to be a favorite movie of 2016, but I haven't seen it yet, so I'm not going to comment too too far on that. What were you going to say, Ashley? I, was, I feel like everybody liked Heller High Water and I didn't. I haven't watched like, I feel that like yet. All of my all of my American friends really liked it. And I was like, yeah, it was fine. But like, I was surprised that wasn't on anybody's list. Yeah, it's one that I haven't had a chance to watch, but um, I've been we've been incredibly busy shooting a bunch of stuff for Munchkin Land. So all my free time now is devoted to that. But it is the next thing queued up on my um, movie playlist for me to sit down and watch. So everyone says it's great, but I haven't had a chance to watch that yet. Um, the other one that. I really enjoyed the heck out of, but I don't think it was a gr uh, a great movie for me for 2016 was Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Um, mm. I, I thought it was good, but I didn't uh, to me, it didn't have that magic spark that Harry Potter did 20 mm. some years ago. 
or however long ago it was. It wasn't that Potter's Spark. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was. It was 1994. Well, when the book came out, I'm, yeah, I'm just talking yeah. about the, the movie. When the movie oh, franchise. Oh, well, I don't know when the yeah. movies come out. That was like 2001, yeah. I want to say. Anyone seen La La Land? Mm-mm. Not yet. I know. Okay. I just saw The Founder. How was that? These. It was really good. What were you really going to say, good. Matthew? La La Land is one of the uh, market down for when it hits cable next summer movies. Mm-hmm. Well, it's got Emma Stone me. in it, so I figured maybe I love Lem- I love Emma Stone. You'd head out there to see some musical action. No, uh, you can't. You can't drag me into a theater in December. What are you stupid? <laughs> <laughs> Let's uh, let us hit games. What uh, were some of your favorite games, video or otherwise, in 2016, uh, Rodrigo? Uh, well, as everybody knows, I am both totally into and super terrible at Overwatch. Oh right. Um, Overwatch was is a big deal for me because I don't like first person shooters and I don't like games where I have to interact with other human beings. And Overwatch is both of those things and I'm still enjoying it. Um, and I, I mean it's it's baffling. It's like the last like quote unquote first person shooter type game that I played was Portal, right? And it's like. Nobody would even put that into a first person, you know, most people don't put it into a first person shooter category, but that's how far away from it I am. Um, and it's really just a collection of like really good, solid uh, mechanics, you know, blizzards like uh, super mm-hmm. fancy looking character design and voice work, a lot of like just good homework on a lot of things. Um you know, I hear a lot of people that are like, yeah, this is like, oh, this is the guy from like Red Dead Redemption. This is the guy from like this. It's like, but the, the comparison that I never hear is that actually character wise, this is basically a way cooler version for me of G.I. Joe. Like if mm, G.I. Joe mm. had had an actual talking monkey in it, <laughs> I would have been way more into it. Not to there put down G.I. Joe. Oh, well, yeah, <laughs> he was hairy. Um <laughs> Not to put down G.I. Joe, G.I. Joe was like, here is a bunch of military guys. Overwatch is like, here's like just some like way heavier sci-fi crazy stuff on top of your like paramilitary organization. Plus, you also get to play the bad guys. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's pretty crazy times. I'm still kind of internally dealing with the fact that I'm playing a first person shooter pretty regularly. It's It's been a trip. Uh, if I were to pick a video game, I would pick Overwatch, but since uh, you've already called it out, Titanfall 2 is actually so much better than the first Titanfall, especially in the campaign mode, because you go through this crazy, we are stranded on a on a planet and people are trying to kill us, and now we're trying to save, we're trying to stop um, this weapon of mass destruction from destroying half of the universe that we're living in. It's a lot of fun, and it's a great challenge, and I sat down on one free weekend, and I said, I'm going to play this this afternoon. I spent five hours playing it, and I just enjoyed the heck out of it. Uh, Titanfall 2 is, is is a real blast. Matthew, do you have a video game that was a big one for you this year? Or other game? Uh, not from this year. I finally achieved 100% on to 2013's Grand Theft Auto. Oh, well, you know, that's that's something. That's definitely something. I, I, I'll crack that thing out and play it every once in a while. I am looking forward to the... Uh, the same company they they are bringing out Red Dead Redemption to yes uh, with the the Redux year. yeah yeah that I'm kind of looking forward to that too I, I probably will check that out Ashley did you do any video game action this this year I played a lot of Tetris on my phone 
I heard everyone that talking is not, about that. Is not the Tetris song. And before Carol you say it, that bells. is not Carol of the Bells. I heard a lot of people talking about um, Arkham Knight, and I thought it was oh, icky yeah. that Tim and Barbara got married. Yeah, <laughs> They've got a VR it's version wrong. of that that everybody is uh, going gaga over, too. So uh, I just want to say that if you are into VR, don't share your VR face things and don't try them with the ones that strangers have touched because oh, ocular yeah, yeah. herpes broke out here yes. in a big bad way the last time people did that that is something that i definitely <laughs> heard and i've got these i went to walmart and they've got these just really i mean they're not vr goggles or anything like that but they're vr viewer goggles where you just mm-hmm. slap your phone in and i wore them for about 20 minutes and then today i was looking on the inside and there was like a little gunky thing in there it's like holy crap what is yeah. that from and it's like it's a hamburger. Well, it could be. I think it's just from the thing got a little sweaty and then something started to grow in there. So you got to do keep mm-hmm. those clean. But yeah, the ocular yeah. herpes, eye herpes did break out this year. And I know someone like Scott Johnson is just going to have a freak out because he already won't wear 3D glasses. Mm-hmm. Now, and I know he's not going to uh, not going to wear a VR g- uh, goggles that are shared by other people. Um, this year I had a chance to play and I know it's not new th- this year, but Machi Koro. Uh, was a lot of fun to play. That's my son and I discovered it this summer during his birthday. And that's a that's a board game that's a lot of fun. Um, I think, no, that was last October that we got Cthulhu Wars in. Um, oh, I played, um, I played Star Trek, Catan, and Risk this year, which took two models of games that I don't enjoy and I thought condensed them in a much more interesting way than the original platform. Oh, cool. It's, um, it's called Star Trek, Catan, and Risk because that's a game I'd play. I wish. No, it's two different ones. Uh, because Catan is just like farming and farming is mm-hmm. not fun. Mm-hmm. Like, right. I want to go blow stuff up. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, let's see. What about television? What, what was a favorite television show of yours for 2016, Ashley? I, I'm really enjoying the second season of Supergirl. Um, I liked yes. the first season a lot, but I think the second season has well and truly ascended to the possibilities of that show. I do have a couple arguments against everything they're doing with Jimmy, but um, I'm really enjoying that. Um, I thought Preacher was really pretty to look at, mm-hmm. um, but I'm still very excited to see what is coming out of that. Like, I think... Yeah. What I saw in the first season, I don't know if I wholly enjoyed, but I'm hyped for the second season, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and then I mean Luke Cage. Like the first six <laughs> episodes of Luke Cage, I think, are the greatest thing Marvel's ever made. So <laughs> I have to I have to give man props for that. For me, my favorite television series this year was the final season of Marin. And if you know Mark Marin from his WTF podcast, um, you kind of know him because he talks a lot about his personal life and stuff. And so was he, this is the fourth season, I believe. The first three seasons basically are kind of a mirror of his life. So if you've listened to him for a couple of years and you watch the first three seasons, you're like, oh, yeah, I remember when he talked about that on his podcast and when he talked about that and when he talked about that, when he talked about that. The end of the third season went into a really scary direction because Mark has been Mark has suffered with uh, addiction, uh, drug addiction, and he's been sober for 16 years. And in the show, he's been sober for 16 years and he has a relapse. And so season four starts with him totally at the bottom end of his rope kind of thing and his struggle to get back a life, not the, not his old life that he had, but to get back a life. And so he's going through rehab and everything. It's not a super funny season compared to the first three, but it hit hard with a lot of emotions and just the final shot of him in the park with 
and I don't want to spoil it, is also another just big, like, holy crap kind of moment that I kind of wish there was another season. But uh, uh, Marin turned out to be one of my favorite shows of 2016. What about you, Matthew? Uh, I would definitely echo this season to Supergirl Love. I feel like with the exception of uh, the the male characters who are frankly extraneous and pretty dumb, that show has really, really hit a stride. And I feel like if you could just jettison Jimmy off into his own little Mm. crap and send Toyman Jr. And Mon-El. I don't hate Mon-El, but I feel like (laughs) Mon-El... Don't you threaten me, young lady. (laughs) I've been reading about Mon-El since before you were born. I like Mon El being being kind of a, a debauched uh, himbo idiot. I feel like that kind of works for me. I, I want to know where they're going with it. But my my number one top star this year for reasons which uh, basically I, I was forced to start caring about things that I've tried not to care about. So I, I feel like a lot of times there was a lifeline for me each week and last week tonight with John Oliver. Oh, yeah, that's a good show. Because. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you basically have that that week where weird, strange, psychotic things happen, mm-hmm. and you're like, "What the hell?" And then, you know, on Sunday nights, a nice British man comes and says, "What the f word is going on?" Here's what we think, but what the f word is going on? And it just it kind of fed a lot of things that it, it gave me the the I think the will to continue and to go on and learn some things that I did not really expect out of 2016, and of course. Uh, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that this was the year of the Super Sentai 40th anniversary episode, which brought back my favorite Sentai team from six years ago to meet the new Sentai team. And it's like no time has passed at all. It's amazing. It's wonderful. Episode 2000, the 2000 episode. They've been putting this show on the air since 1975. Cool. You got to give them props for that. Very, very cool. Rodrigo, what about a favorite yeah. television show for you? Uh, for me, Steven Universe is still going strong. Mm-hmm, um, yeah. It, uh, I, I, I was stuck in traffic for the last major spoilers podcast, so I didn't get to talk a, a lot about uh, my revelations of of Resident Alien, uh, which is that it's amazing that you know a, a lot of fiction revolves around putting a normal person in extremely oh, yeah. abnormal circumstances, right? Um. But uh, apparently it can also be really compelling to put extremely abnormal characters in perfectly mundane circumstances. Um, so it's like Steven Universe's episodes. It's like the, the episodes in which they fly into space and fight space monsters are just as compelling as the ones where they sort of like farm. Yeah, where they like. They're like, oh, a relative has shown up. They he doesn't know about space stuff. He's kind of reacting weirdly to it. You know, it's like it's and and they're both watchable. They're both extremely watchable and also continue to build on the mythology. So like, yeah. uh, I, I'm consistently impressed by Steven Universe. And why uh, is he? The, why is he the guy from Aqua Teen Hunger Force? Yeah, exactly. Carl Carl from Aqua Teens is apparently uh, related to Steven. Wow. He should move in with them because his current neighbors are are really the worst. <laughs> Prudelana Deluski, I believe. <laughs> They've killed him multiple times. <laughs> I enjoyed the heck out of uh, Flash, uh, both season two and what we've seen so far in season three. Uh, but I would say another show that was one of these that it's Monday morning. Uh, or Monday afternoon and I need to watch a show has been Westworld. 
uh, for its entire run because I wanted to find out what was going on and what they were doing and what they weren't doing. And I, and I thought the season finale was satisfying enough. Um, but I, but I really enjoyed kind of the, the nonlinear storytelling that they were doing throughout the season, even though it was pretty obvious, uh, early on. Um, but it, but it was a fun show and I really enjoyed, uh, watching a uh, Westworld for the mystery that they were trying to set up. Uh, Ashley, you got to, did you go to the set? Oh, no. Um, what are these Jason pictures? Oh, went okay. to, um, so there's a lot of fake Western villages in and around the greater Los Angeles area. Yeah. And he went with a couple friends to the one, I don't know what it's called. I'm sure it has a name, uh, where they used to shoot Dr. Quinn when that was on the air. Oh, and I okay. guess that's where, like, I didn't watch Westworld. I know everything that happened and I still feel <laughs> uncompelled to watch it. Yeah. Um, but I guess there was a church there that was used in the show and that was exciting. Oh, okay. All right. Cause I saw the, the pictures come out of, of Jason's Instagram. I was like, wow, did yeah. they get to go to the set or something? So yeah, no, I'm too neat. busy, like trying to chase down Americans set locations to go next time we go to New York. Oh yeah. That'll be fun. That's a great show. Any other, uh, any other, uh, tell any other best of 2016 from you guys. I actually um, had an album. Oh yeah. What album? Uh, it was the 50th anniversary album by the monkeys called good times. Oh, cool. Some new songs on um, that or just, uh, everything remastered. All new songs. Yeah. Oh, really? Cool. They, they actually had a song that they were able to put together with, uh, one of the surviving vocals of Davey who passed away in 2012. Mm-hmm. And then they built a song where all four of them were on the song together with that Davey, uh, lead vocal. Kind of like what they did nice. with John Lennon back in whatever it was, 90 something. Right, but instead of four British guys, it was one British guy and then three other dudes. Mm-hmm. Did Scooby and the gang show up? No. I'm going to hit you now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's interesting. Did anybody else have a favorite album that came out this year? I'm trying to think of anything ah. that sprung up on my radar. Yeah. Oh, Rodrigo, the... did you hear the new Radiohead? I didn't. Oh, um, you should. It's good. Uh, another t- uh, mentioning the songs triggered this another favorite television show and album this year, stranger things on Netflix. Mm. Holy crap. Yeah. Stranger things was good. And then the, the two albums came out. Those are two that I definitely bought uh, this year and have, have played quite a bit. So that's that what I put on my favorites of 2016. Um, I, I have run across a handful of new bands and or performers. Um, Alessia Cara, who actually does the the non-movie version of the Moana song, um, is great. Um, also, I don't know if his name is Bi Byman or B Byman or B B Man or B H I, and then his last name is B H I M A N. Really fantastic, great voice. Um, and uh, t- this was also the year where I was like, I guess I like Mike Posner. I've I've been fighting it, but <laughs> why? It happens. I've listened to nothing but Hamilton all year until Moana came out. Now I'm listening to <laughs> Moana, but like, yeah, it's not even an exaggeration. <laughs> I'm trying to think of books because I did a lot of audio books this year, but I think all of the books that I went through were from previous years. Although mm-hmm. Alex Segura, uh, oh, I think so great. I think Silent City came out this year, I want to say, and I did enjoy the heck out of it. Yeah, the Silent City did come out this year. No, no, no. Yeah, Silent City came out this year. Down the Darkest Street was the year before. He's got a new book coming out next year, 
And I enjoyed that. It's a mystery. It's about a guy who used to work at a newspaper, did a little bit of detective work, stumbled into full-time detective work. And this is his, uh, his second adventure, Silent City, a Pete Fernandez, Pete Fernandez mystery worth checking out. And Alex Agora, who is now over at Boom Studios, I believe. So, um, there you go. Any, anything else from anybody, any other favorites of 2016 we should point out? Uh, <laughs> the queen the queen is really good if anyone likes period dramas um and it's a really interesting vehicle for matt smith because the crown yeah uh because he's not a, like he is on doctor who he's actually like quite despicable um but doing an amazing <laughs> job and then jared harris um plays king george or as you may know him the king from the king's speech and um <laughs> if if I haven't sold you on that, then watch it for John Lithgow as Churchill. That's really, it's really incredible. Oh, that sounds like excellent casting. Cool, oh, yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Wow. All right, quick correction. Alex Segura is still at, at uh, uh, Archie. It's uh, Arun Singh, who is now over at. Uh, oh, at yeah. Boom. Yeah. So that's really cool. A lot of changes in, in uh, the industry as far as uh, the people working on the back end, moving around and moving to different locations and stuff uh, throughout this year. But I think that will wrap it up for this issue of the Major Spoilers podcast. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for being part of the Major Spoilers experience. Again, if you want to see this show continue, head over to patreon.com slash major spoilers. For nothing else, just check out and see what we have to offer you for your small monthly contributions. And uh, if you do sign up, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much in advance. We're going to be back next week because we know that you love comics and we do too. And we will talk with you soon. Stop talking about comic books or I'll kill you. I don't care if the Hulk could defeat the Man of Steel. I'm gonna rearrange your things and you continue to debate whether Logan's claws could pierce Steve Rogers' shield. I just couldn't care less if they bring back Craven. Podcast is copyright 2016 by Major Spoilers Entertainment LLC. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 